Wow, what a week. I know I keep standing up here every Sunday and uh, starting out with some uh, word like that, but I, I got to tell you, I've been finding myself dreaming at night of the day when I can stand up here and I can actually say, um, was this not the boringest week that you have ever had? I, I'm waiting for that. Maybe it'll come. It hasn't come yet. And in the meantime, here we are. And uh, we are in our last sermon of uh, Unhurried, as Lisa already mentioned. And by the way, Lisa is a wonderful person, and she has been a great team member for me as I've been trying to figure out how to come into this church not really knowing anything or knowing the systems or knowing the people. And she's uh, worked, uh, I don't know if it's been tirelessly, but she's worked hard to, to try to help acclimate me to the life of this, uh, this community. So thank you, Lisa. Um, I, I was uh, thinking a lot before I wanted to start my sermon today about, uh, well, God, God actually has impressed upon me uh, the need to say this, and I, and I want to be careful, and I want to be thoughtful about it, and I'm, I'm, I hope you receive it this way, but as I've been thinking about all of the things that are going on, in the, both in the life of this church over the last few months, as well as uh, the pandemic that we all are now just coming out from under uh, you know, the rock on, and now all this other racial stuff that's going on. And, and I, I had this really strong sense that God wants me to tell you that um, in the midst of all of this stuff, the posture that I'm going to take as the interim pastor here, as well as the, that I'm going to encourage you to take as we, as the church of Jesus Christ, try to wade through all of this stuff, is um, the first thing that I want for us to do is I want for us to listen you know, when I, was, when I was a little kid, my mom always used to say to me, Brad, you know why you only have one mouth and two ears? It's so that you listen twice as much as you talk. And even though that seems like a, a funny thing that a mom might say to their, to their uh, overly talkative son, I think there's some truth to that. And as we find ourselves engaged in conversations, you know, there has been a lot of talk about a lot of stuff, and some of us have contributed to that talk, and there may have been times when we should have stopped and listen. So I want to, that's the posture that I'm, I'm going to take. I'm going to encourage our staff to take, and I'm going to ask you to take. Uh, listen before you talk. The second thing God impressed upon me this week was that um, being a disciple uh, fundamentally is being a learner. And so I want for us to take a posture of learning. Uh, even though uh, some of us, like me, have been around the block a few years, I've got multiple degrees and letters behind my name that, that ought to impress somebody. It do doesn't, sadly, but um, uh, we still can learn something new, even in the midst of all the stuff that's going on. Well, one thing that I've learned and I, is, is that uh, I have more to learn about a lot of things. And so the second posture that I'm going to take and I'm going to encourage you to take is to learn to be a disciple, because that's what a disciple does. They listen and they learn. And then the last posture I want to encourage you to consider is to love. Uh, another way of talking about love is, is to say, have compassion. And if you were online with us a few weeks ago, you heard uh, Pastor Nate preach about the Good Samaritan and the importance of actually living an unhurried life entails um, being compassionate to, do, to those who have needs around us. So if you find yourself uh, jittery, anxious, sitting around and, and thinking things that you shouldn't be thinking about, I would encourage you to get out and try to find a way to be compassionate to somebody. Listen, learn, and love. 
Those are the postures that we're going to take here at Hillcrest Covenant Church, and I invite you to join me as we do that. Well, here we are. We're uh, on the sixth week of this series of sermons about the unhurried life, which sort of plays into this, I think, a little bit. And we have come to understand over that period of time that Christian discipleship is not defined by our productivity. It's not defined by how much we do. It's not defined by how important we are in whatever ministry we find ourselves in or whatever job we have in, 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 out in the world. Rather, our our understanding of Christian discipleship is defined primarily in, uh, in how God is living in us and through us. In other words, God isn't really interested in how much we get done for the kingdom. God is interested in the disposition of our hearts and our willingness to allow Jesus to shape us into the people that God desires us to be. That seems simple. I know, it seems really simple, but it's really hard. And as we've talked about the various aspects of the unhurried life over the last six weeks, you recognize how hard this is to slow down, to, to listen, to, to rest, to allow, to allow God's rhythm of Sabbath to shape how we spend our days. I've suggested to you that uh, finding time in our busy schedules for this Sabbath rest is not only important, but it's also essential. It's essential for our spiritual health. Uh, And I'm afraid that that even though this global pandemic has given us this wonderful opportunity to adjust our focus, to maybe tone back the busyness of our lives, for some of us, we continue to mistakenly believe that we've got to work our fingers to the bone for the kingdom, because if we don't, no one else will. In the last few weeks, we have discovered that making time for meaningful friendships that can support us in a time of need and speak truthfully into our lives is an important dimension of the unhurried life. And I I heard from many of you after I preached that sermon about friendship, uh, and they were really inspiring uh, stories that you told me. Thank you for, for reaching out to me about that. A number of weeks ago, we learned that the parable of the Good Samaritan reminds us that if we want to embody this unhurried life, then we must be prepared to allow ourselves to enter into the messiness of caring for others and their needs. And I I think that that message may be more important for us to hear now than ever. And as we attempt to put into practice this, this unhurried life, we will find ourselves, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, uh, we will find ourselves tempted to see our success at slowing down for God as some kind of spiritual indicator that we're, that we're more mature than other people because we have the capacity to do this. And, and it's not an indicator that we're more mature. A couple weeks ago, we looked at uh, these temptations and we... we um, discovered that that we're going to be tempted when we begin to start to gear down our lives a little bit in this unhurried kind of way, that uh, we're going to be tempted to want to take back and take charge and to be in control. And I think that's probably the biggest temptation that most of us face. So today, as we wrap up this sermon of series, uh, this sermon series called The Unhurried Life, I want to make two very simple propositions to you. Uh, I want to suggest to you, first of all, that the unhurried life is harder than it looks. 
It might sound simple, but it's not. And any of you that, that have tried to practice it at any point in the last six weeks or at any time in, in the past, you've discovered that it's, it's harder than it looks. And the second uh, simple point that I want to make this morning is the practice of an unhurried life is evidence of spiritual maturity. It's harder than it looks, and it's evidence of spiritual maturity. This is how Hebrews chapter 5, 12 through 15 puts it. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. What the author of the Hebrews is suggesting is that spiritual maturity is the natural byproduct of a dynamic and, and growing relationship with Jesus. Let me put that another way, and I, I want you to hear me well. If you have a growing and dynamic relationship with Jesus, you will seek to find time to unclutter and unhurry your life. The author to the Hebrews makes his point clear when he likens this to a baby whose primary diet is milk compared to a grown-up who has a more sophisticated uh, diet of meat. Now, the only problem is there appears to be, at least in the context that the author to the Hebrews is writing, that too many people who are content feeding from a bottle rather than sitting down for a meal uh, meant for adults. There are too many people in that context, in that church, that the author to the Hebrews is writing to are, are walking around carrying bottles, and they should be eating meat. You see, the issue of spiritual maturity and the unhurried life can be framed really like this. If you decide you want to embark on the journey of an unhurried life, then you will be required to change your diet. Back in the day uh, when we did youth ministry games, this is a long time ago, I don't know if they do this anymore, but there was a game that I recall uh, doing in youth ministry where we would uh, call up the two biggest, strongest, most impressive uh, boys in the youth group, and we would fill two bottles, two plastic bottles, with uh, Coke, and we'd put the lid on, and we'd give it to them, and we'd say, uh, the first one to drink this bottle to down will win a prize. And it was hilarious because as you watch these two scrapping guys trying to suck on a bottle, I don't know if you've ever done this as an adult, it's really hard. In fact, um, babies have some sort of unique, and uh, talk to a doctor about the medical uh, reason for this, but they have some sort of unique ability, whether it's a muscle or an instinct, that they are able to suck on bottles and they could suck down that bottle of Coke in no time. But at some point, we grow up and we are no longer able to drink from a bottle. And there's a reason for that, because that's what maturity looks like. For infants, it is appropriate to drink from a bottle. But for those who are grown up, there comes a time when each of us must graduate from bottle feeding to solid food. 
The writer uh, to the Hebrews is ultimately concerned that we grow up into maturity in Christ. He refers to the spiritually mature as meat eaters rather than milk drinkers. The, The spiritually mature have the capacity to engage their faith in ways that the spiritually immature cannot. In other words, those who have moved on to richer spiritual practices no longer ask the same elementary questions about faith, no longer get stuck in the mire of pettiness, but have the capacity to teach those who are still asking those kinds of questions. It's not that the elementary questions of faith are wrong. It's just that there's a time when the spiritually mature must move past those questions to issues of much larger consequence. And let me add that spiritual maturity is not exclusively an issue about how smart you are. There are, very, uh, there are many smart people that I know who when it comes to their spiritual maturity, they are spiritual babies and they should be drinking milk. One of the underlying assumptions of the spiritual life that we have adopted in our culture since the Enlightenment is that our spiritual maturity is somehow directly related to how much we know or how long we've, we've been in church, right? Oh, oh, they must be a really wise saint because they've been in this church for 50 years. Well, maybe not. The more we know, the more mature we are in our faith is what we assume. The longer we've been here, the more mature we certainly must be. These are both false assumptions that couldn't be further from the truth. And in both cases, there's no correlation between our intellectual pursuit of things and spiritual maturity. There's no common connection between length of involvement in the church and spiritual depth. uh, depth. There's no connection. So if spiritual growth and maturity is not ultimately measured by our intellect or the length of time that we've been attending this church, then how do we know if we are being, uh, becoming spiritually mature? I like the way that Eugene Peterson describes it, spiritual life in the title of one of his books where he says, it's a long obedience in the same direction. In other words, there is no quick fix methods for becoming spiritually mature, but there is the day today commitment to the practices of Christian spirituality that will over time result in our transformation and our deepening spiritual life. That is, that's the key. You see, spiritual growth is a byproduct of healthy spiritual practice. There's no other way. One of the ways we here at Hillcrest Covenant Church desire to help you adopt Healthy spiritual practices is by encouraging you to get involved in small groups or in an adult community or in a book study because we understand that these are some of the ways that God uses to help us grow up. Now, sometimes we might find ourselves stalled out in our Christian life, and don't be surprised if that happens. It happens to all of us. And when that happens, we may need to establish a relationship with a spiritual director who is trained to help us see where God might be trying to speak into our lives, but we're just in so much of a rut, we're not paying attention. If you've never heard of the idea of having a spiritual director, which I suspect that there's some of you that don't know anything about that, uh, 
consider it as the spiritual version of having a life coach. Hillcrest has a number of spiritual directors who would love to come alongside you and help you recognize God's presence in your life because that's what they do. They don't, they don't tell you how to live your life. They, just help, they help you kind of see what's going on in your life and help you uh, understand where God might be speaking into your life. I would encourage you to reach out to our pastor, Dory Brown, and she would love to connect you with a spiritual director. And you can, uh, you can find her email address on the church website if you desire to do that. And she wanted me to tell you that at this point, um, we, are, we, we can do spiritual direction in a couple ways. We're happy to do it through Zoom, or if you wish, keeping social distance, we can also do it that way. Paying attention to our spiritual life is, is it's a lot like planting a garden. And I know a lot of you have spent a lot of your, uh, of the last six, seven, eight weeks doing that. So I know you're accustomed to that. We do all the prep work, preparing the soil for the planting of the seed. We, we plant the seed, and then we wait for the seed to take root and grow into a plant. And then we water and we weed the garden in order to give the plant the best chance to thrive. And that takes pretty much the whole summer. And then at some point in August or September, depending on what it is we planted, we go out there and we start reaping the benefit of, uh, of all of the work that we have done up until then. You see, that's what the spiritual life looks like. Sometimes I think we think it's more of a, a, a magic pill that if we take it, we can all of a sudden go from being spiritually immature to spiritually mature. When Roxy and I lived in Alaska, we went to the Alaska State Fair, and I don't know if you know this, but the Alaska State Fair is, uh, uh, has the record for the world's largest pumpkin, I think. It did at the time. But Alaska, of course, has a very short growing season, and it has long days of sunlight, you know, 22 hours of sunlight, but it's for a very short period of time. So you get these, these uh, pumpkins that are huge. They're, they're as big as the stage that I'm standing on. And some of us like to think about our spiritual lives in the same way. If we just get a, uh, an extra dose of sunlight and we get it for a long time, we can grow strong and deep and mature really fast. But that's not how it works. So what are some of the spiritual practices of an unhurried life that we can begin to put into practice right now? Or as the writer of the Hebrews puts it, that would enable us to move from drinking milk to eating meat? I want to leave you with some practical steps on how to begin leaning into an unhurried life. These practices are applicable to those who are new in your faith or those who have been following Jesus for a very long time. I've, I've selected these for that reason. They, they work for all of us. And these practices are not meant to be benchmarks by which we measure the spiritual maturity of others around us. They're meant to be indicators of where and how we can go deeper in our work of growing up. The spiritual practices of the unhurried life involve these four practices. Spend time with God. Slow down. Sleep soundly. That one might sound odd to you, but I think it is. And four, seek spiritual guidance. Spending time with God 
comes in a variety of ways and forms and practices. There's no single way to do that. It's going to be different for each of us. For some of us, it involves lengthy times of prayer or silence or reflection on our inner life with God. For others, it may involve being mindful of the ways that God is, is already present and at work in your life right now. If you are unwilling or unable to spend significant time with God, then you are probably not ready to engage in any of the other practices of the unhurried life. So this is actually a really good place to start. Spend time with God, however, however you need to do that. Two, slow down. Uh, although that's been forced on us a little bit by the, by the uh, pandemic that we've been living through, slowing down involves not only slowing down the pace of your life, it also means paying attention to how you feel at, at the moment. Am I anxious? There's a lot of you out there who are really anxious. And if you don't, and if you don't identify that and name it, that anxiety gets transmitted to everybody around you. Why am I anxious? What's going on inside of me that prompted me to say that or behave in that particular way? When we slow down, life is not merely a set of experiences that we, that we cram into any given day. Life becomes an opportunity for us to reflect upon the presence of God in all of life's events. This is a very difficult practice for some of us because it requires us to be honest with ourselves about some of the underlying motives and fears that prompt us to do some of the things that we do. Slow down. Pay attention to God. Three, sleep soundly. Sleeping well is part of the unhurried life. And as I have grown older, I, I, took, uh, I took for granted the importance of sleep. And... Uh, it's important for us to get the amount of sleep that is necessary for us to function well when we are awake. There are many contributing factors to our habits of sleeping. I understand this. But going to bed when you're tired is the first clue that you might need some sleep. Uh, sleeping also gives us the opportunity to sort of break the rhythm of the busyness of our day. Do you ever take a nap once in a while just because you're tired and you want to lay down and do that? I would encourage that if, if you want to do that. Some of us may need to pay attention to the practice of sleeping as part of our discipline of the unhurried life. And then finally, spiritual guidance. For most of us, we are trying to get someplace we've never been before. That is spiritual maturity. And, uh, and when we do that in any other part of our life, we use a map or we use GPS, or in the old days, we'd stop at the gas station and ask for directions. The spiritual life is going to lead us to places that we've never been before, and it is often helpful to invite someone who has taken the road before us to help us find our way. This person could be a pastor, a Sunday school leader, a youth leader, a colleague, a friend, a spiritual director, with whom we can meet on a regular basis to help us pay attention to how God may be prompting us. Spiritual guidance is important because guides provide us with support and offer us direction to help us from getting into the weeds. If you find yourself a lot of time in the weeds, it might be time for you to find a spiritual guide. So there you have it. We have looked at the unhurried life over these last few weeks. My prayer for you 
is that you will begin to adopt some of the practices of the unhurried life. Please, please understand this. It will not be easy. There will be all kinds of temptations and distractions that will keep you from making any meaningful progress. But don't be discouraged. The reward of living an unhurried life will give you a new perspective about what really matters. It will give you time to deepen your level of compassion for those who have need around you. And it will result in your growing up and going deeper into your own spiritual life. The unhurried life is really a gift from God. Kathleen Norris, the, the writer, describes her fresh discovery of this like this. My own fresh look involves discovering more about the neighborhood I've called home for 20 years, enjoying the plants that people are, are carefully tending and some that run a little wild. A, a flowering shrub or tree I've never noticed before will seem to shout at me, I'm here, I'm alive, I'm beautiful. This gift from God is available to each of us if we desire to appropriate it in our, in our spiritual life. Practicing the unhurried life will take a little longer than a lifetime, and I look forward to having some of you join me on this adventure of uh, learning how to live out this unhurried life uh, as we go to destinations that we never dreamed we would be uh, heading toward. If you find any aspect of the unhurried life attractive, right now I encourage you to consider, even if it's just one thing, uh, choosing to do something a little differently from this point on so that the unhurried life will begin to be the mark of your life and growth as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. God, we, uh, we don't want to be adults drinking out of bottles. And sadly, there are way too many of us for whom that's exactly what, what is happening. Call us, cajole us, care for us as we move into those those risky places of uh, leaning into our discipleship in such a way that we begin to adopt some of the practices of an unhurried life. Thank you for not leaving us alone in the dark to figure this out, but that you provide us with your spirit and uh, who, who encourages us and sometimes uh, walks the path ahead of us. God, we, we desire among all things, to be people that listen and that are willing to learn and who are willing to love because we understand that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I pray this in his name.